0: Is we have hope for this country um, and as believers we do uh, and, and we still do now, so, so, some days it's harder to hope than others some, some days uh, we're, we're just as angry as, as others in the country
1: so on today's episode, I'm joined by my colleague and brother in Christ, Pastor Marwan Zalaf. Marwan is the lead pastor at City Bible Church in Beirut, Lebanon. And I wanted to have Marwan join me on all things for a couple reasons. Um, the first is that Lebanon has been in the headlines many times over the past few years. No doubt every listener remembers the silos which exploded in the port of Beirut um, over two years ago in August of 2022. And then more recently, we are hearing about The financial collapse in Lebanon, and even just citizens going into the banks there and attempting to get their money out of the failing banks by holding them up at gunpoint. Um, A recent podcast I heard from the BBC said that about 80% of citizens in Lebanon are living at the poverty level. I found that to be really striking. So I just wanted to connect with Pastor Marwan and hear about hear more about the headlines there. And then the second reason is I wanted to hear about what it's like to follow Christ in that setting and what it's like for him to pastor a congregation in the midst of tragedy and suffering and injustice and what it's like to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to one another in a setting like that. So Marwan, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: No, my pleasure. A joy to be with you, Jen. Good
1: morning to you. Thank you. Okay, well, why don't you start by giving us a little bit of your story? You know, what took you to Beirut? Tell us briefly maybe about your family, your calling, and what led to your church plant there in Beirut.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, you know, all these stories are always uh, quite long, so I'll try to keep them brief. If there's anything, maybe say, hey, tell us a little bit more. Happy to do that. Uh, if I may, even before we start, I just want to say I'm thankful for you. We, we've not yet met in person. Uh, we've kind of seen each other from afar, but just even I was looking past um through our past uh, kind of messages on Instagram and just how encouraged uh, I have been by you and your family, just sending us notes of encouragement, uh, following up. Um, yeah, I've read them to my wife and, and we're just both, it's incredible, as you know, living living overseas for, for such a long time. Uh, those things matter to know people are yeah. praying for you. And so I'm thankful mm-hmm. for you. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the quick story or the, the shorter version of the story is I was born in the Middle East. Uh, my mother is Chaldean. My father is Lebanese-Palestinian. I was, I was born in, in Kuwait, so it's kind of a mix of the region. Uh, we ended up in the U.S. Uh, as a result of the Gulf War, actually on vacation in San Diego uh, in summer of 1990. And then Iraq invaded Kuwait a day before we were supposed to fly back uh, to, to Kuwait. And so that's kind of what brought me to the U.S. and kept me in the U.S. Uh, I, I was raised in a, in a nominal you know, uh, Catholic home so we knew of Jesus, but I didn't know Christ himself. And, and so at a young age, uh, the Lord uh, saved me and called me to him. And, uh, and so you can fast forward a bit to uh, high school years, university years, just sensing a, a call to serve the Lord. You know, of course, at a young age, you don't know what that looks like. Uh, there's there's uh, more questions than answers. Uh, but I remember uh, pretty vividly uh, in my university years, uh, the the best way I can describe it is that my eyes were open to lostness, um, you know, growing in my love for Christ, his affections for the church, uh, seeing the need all around me. But just kind of, my eyes were open that there are people all around the world who have never heard the name of Christ, have never um, heard that the gospel message, and so I was impacted by that. Uh, it was that along with uh, recognizing the need in in the Middle East, uh, kind of. Uh, how, how Islam is uh, is continuing to, to grow and, and how many people have left the region over the years. And so it's kind of a, a combination, I think, the Lord used of uh, seeing a need and, and desire to go back. While many people were leaving, I felt, felt the Lord was calling me back. Now, that was in my early 20s. Uh, between, you know, let's say 20 to 30, uh, a love for the local church grew. Uh, my wife, Marcy, and I. I guess I should mention, married to Marcy for 12 years. We have two young boys. Noah is seven and Shia is five. And so this story is before their time. Uh, we we moved back to uh, her home state of Arkansas. And it was there we were part of a church plant. And, and we fell in love with the local church. Uh, both Marcy and I had a call to go, uh, kind of, a, again, a, a general call uh, that slowly kind of grew uh, more specific into uh, pouring into the local church, eventually uh uh, church planting. Um, but it was our time in a local church that made us say, hey, this is what we want to see. This is the, the way of Christ. This is, this is what we read in the scriptures, that is through community, uh, that God most clearly makes himself known through the preached word in the local church. And so again, so that, that kind of took place um, late 20s. And then it was, okay, we want to go, how do we get there? Again, that's a big question for those who are sent. Uh, again, a long story, but ultimately we took a, a short trip. Uh, my wife, uh, myself, and our pastor at the time, Bobby Biggers from Russellville, Arkansas, uh, and uh, we went to see what the Lord was doing. We visited Dubai, visited Lebanon, Egypt, and Jordan, all in a two-week period, just to see, Lord, what are you doing? Um, are there opportunities for us to serve? We want to pray. We, we brought our pastor along so that he can speak into it. We recognize that the church wants to—you know—we want the church to speak into our life in this way, and um so went to Dubai um, as a, uh, as an intern I was invited to do a pastoral internship program with Redeemer Church of Dubai uh, with Dave Furman and uh, so spent two years there but the plan was always to go to Lebanon mm-hmm. I'm a dual citizen a Lebanese and an American citizen so mm-hmm. I was just something there uh, seeing the need the opportunity uh, to to uh, move back to Lebanon I've never lived here before but but the Lord opened a door for us to come here um, and I'll just mention one thing about our church currently again uh, early on, there wasn't a, a desire. I didn't say, I want to be a church planter, and this is what we're going to do. It was more just praying and seeking, having conversations. Uh, I pastor an English-speaking church. I can speak Arabic uh, nearly fluent conversationally, uh, not, not well enough where I can preach, but I'm not very far off from that. So the question is, what why, why am I pastoring an English-speaking church? Well, we spoke with uh, locals. A prominent Lebanese pastor here uh, told us as we asked him, what are the needs in the city? He said, we need English-speaking churches that's one way we're going to reach uh, some Lebanese and Arabic church can't reach and so again lots more details and I'll I'll kind of close it down here Uh, but we moved to Beirut October seventeenth, two 2016 and City Bible Church was planted uh, in uh, spring of 2018 so we're going on five years as a church plant
1: Wow That is thrilling. My heart is for the global church and global missions. And just hearing you tell this story tempts me to go pack my suitcase. It's just really, it's so encouraging. Um, Okay. Can we rewind just briefly? Did I hear you right? You were on vacation with your family and that led to your sudden relocation or yeah, not even relocation, just your sudden migration to the United States. You thought you were going on vacation, that you would go back home and you never did.
0: That's right. Yeah. And um, it's incredible to think it's a, it was a day difference. So my mother's parents uh, emigrated to the, to the U S to San Diego, 1980, I think it was. Uh, and so, you know, every couple of years uh, we would go visit family in the U S see world Disneyland, which is kind of surreal. Cause uh, now as an adult, I'm here in the middle East and every year or two, we take my children back to the U S and they get to see their family. And so, yeah, summer 1990, we're in uh, San Diego, uh, August third, nineteen ninety was supposed to be our flight back to Kuwait, where we were living. Uh, August second, nineteen ninety, Iraq invaded Kuwait, so we weren't able to travel back. So of course, I didn't didn't understand the the, the incredible providence uh, and the work yes. of, of the Lord. But looking back now, it's 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 incredible. A day difference uh, changed the entire trajectory of of my life. And so That is
1: amazing. Yeah, and I'm thinking of, back to my own life. I was a middle school student back then. And I remember that day very clearly. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, when everything began in Kuwait. Um, mm-hmm. And just to think that, you know, a peer of mine, who was meant to return, ended up relocating to San Diego. How do your parents feel that you, <laughs> you have transitioned your life back to the Middle East when, you know, are they in the, I guess they're in the United States and you've made yeah. a different decision?
0: Yeah, mixed mixed feelings. Uh, we've had different conversations. Uh, mixed feelings for different reasons. Yeah, I think uh, of course they're they're uh, they're supportive uh, as much mm-hmm. as grandparents without being near the grandkids can be, uh, but I think there is a, a factor. It's like we've uh, we've done all this to get to to the U.S. in, in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, and then you, you've gone back. But yeah, we, uh, you know my, my answer to them and, and to to others, same thing that Marcy told her parents and our communities. Um, the call of the Christian is to be faithful to following Christ. Yeah. Now, for some people, that, that could be being faithful and staying in the same you know, five-mile radius for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Now, for others, it's to, to go to another part of the world. And so for us, yes. this is what it looks like for us to, to follow Jesus. Uh, yes. So uh, difficult, for sure, in lots, lots of ways. I understand. Uh, but God's been, God's been kind.
1: Yeah, so grateful for your faithfulness. I mean, that brings me really to my next question how is life different for you in Lebanon than it would be if you stayed in the United States? Yeah. How does it compare?
0: Yeah. Again, short, short podcasts so short answers, but you can f- follow up on, on these, uh, these answers. L- life is life. Not to oversimplify. Uh, but, but there's, you know, you, you you're always learning. Uh, you're always uh, adapting. Uh, now, again, if we're comparing life in Beirut, Lebanon in 2000, in the, you know, 2020 through 22, these last uh, several years with life in the U.S., uh, we, we can say that things are more complicated, uh, certainly more difficult in, in, uh, in regular everyday ways, uh, from small things to big things, just everyday things. There are challenges uh, that, that we, again, by God's grace, uh, learn to adapt to. Um, if it wasn't for Jesus, we, we wouldn't be here. Maybe that's, that's a way to kind of explain the difference of, of life. Uh, just decisions of um, grocery shopping, and traffic, and the pollution, and education systems, and you know, I mean, life is life, and so we're thankful to be here. We, we pray the Lord will continue to persevere us and sustain us so we can remain here. It's our desire to remain, um, and again, God has been gracious to us, uh, but but things are things are more difficult um, for, for our children, uh, just for kind of every everyday lives. One example I can share, people ask me, what's it like to plant a church in in Lebanon? You know, there's different ways to answer that question, but I kind of say church planting is hard, you all know. I mean, church planting is difficult. Uh, Pastoring is difficult. And so all the challenges that come with any small new church are are ones that we've experienced. Learning how to be a regular preacher uh, while caring for young Christians and sin in the church. Um, the challenge of of growing and you know all all the challenges that that we experience as a small church but now uh, put that in an an overseas context there's more challenges right just because there's not the support systems that are that are normally there uh, the the friends that the family whatever it might be now have that overseas context be be Beirut Lebanon uh, and add um, a revolution uh, an economic collapse Uh, church our church exploded our city exploded a pandem- so, so these are, you know, so these are additional things. And um, I don't know how, how clear the light is, but I've, I've gotten a lot more white hairs in my beard uh, over, over the years. But again, I, I really do uh, mean it when I say the Lord has been faithful to us uh, in, uh, in ways that we don't deserve. He's been kind to us. And so more complicated, yes, more challenging, certainly. Um, but, but God is faithful to his people. And so he's, uh, he's kept us through, through a lot, more than we expected.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm so thankful for your perspective that is really rooted in God's faithfulness. Um, I think for the average listener who maybe is really unfamiliar with anything going on in Lebanon, you know, um, your your perspective, which is rooted in the goodness of God, has made it sound like it's not that different from the United States. It's just a little more difficult, right. but what I know because I have been paying attention to the headlines and I do listen to podcasts about Lebanon and I do read the news stories yeah. is that there are things, you know, on the daily, you're dealing with a shortage of medicine or shortage of, you know, internet going out, electricity going out, water going out. I mean, yeah. so that, that, you know, maybe to the average listener feels like a little heavier than complicated. <laughs>
0: yeah, certainly. And again, I think I, I, uh, I try not to over, um, brighten things that, that are meant to be dark and heavy yeah. um, and, and so certainly so, so there's the experience of God's kindness and care uh, but, but literally every aspect of life is more challenging mm. um, just even doing laundry you know we have I think seven eight hours a day that we don't have electricity um, th- th- for more details, you mentioned I, I'm speaking to, to a friend who's familiar with these things and we've kind of talked offline um, but for maybe the listener who has no idea what's happening So we get maybe an hour of electricity a day from the government. The rest of that is from a a building generator. But because uh, diesel costs are expensive, because generators aren't meant to run 24 hours a day, uh, because of all all the different reasons, uh, we have, I think, maybe about 15 hours of electricity a day. So um, what you're thinking about is is laundry and hot water um, and the food spoiling in the refrigerator. Again, we've learned to kind of, we have some uh, routines and my wife's a, a rock star to kind of figure out how to just do all this with changing, because it's not always the set amount of hours that are off. We're kind of changing, adapting, uh, picking up kids. You know, it's interesting because uh, to, to kind of, again, lighten the, the heavy, sometimes the most challenging thing in, in our lives in Lebanon, just parenting young children, you know? And so, um, of course, I think being here adds to that challenge. Um but no, yeah, uh, medicine, I haven't thought about that in some time. Things are a little bit better. Uh, they're mm-hmm. very expensive, but at least you can find medicine again. There's mm-hmm. a time, I think a little bit over a year ago, looking for medicine for my wife and one of my sons, I went to over 40 pharmacies.
1: Amazing. Um, I would have
0: paid $100. Thank, thank, thank God that, that I was able to just kind of throw that money out there if we needed to. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: uh, having a connection with the West, we're, some of the pains that we're experiencing or that, that many experience are alleviated. Uh, and we don't take that lightly. We're, we're mindful of how much easier we have it with all these challenges. It's still much easier for us uh, than mm. for many of our friends. And like you said, mm. over eighty percent are living below the poverty line. Um, but to go to eight, to forty pharmacies um, to look for medicine that, that we needed—that uh, that adds stress and anxiety. And again, so part of the reason we're here is to to um, to point people to Christ in the midst of all, all these chaos and the challenges, which I know we'll talk, talk a bit more about that.
1: Right. Yeah. So regarding medicine, for example, I mean, the, the headlines that I saw I think maybe last month or the month prior of, of young people holding up banks at gunpoint because of a need to get their money out of the banks to pay for, you know, one young woman, it was to pay for cancer treatment for her sister, just yeah. needing to get her hands on that money so that she could provide care for her family member. Yeah. Um, how how do ordinary you know and i I know lebanon's not a monolith it's a diverse population with diverse perspectives but just sort of the ordinary man on the street in lebanon you know what do they think of the current state of affairs and i know that's a huge question but yeah um how do they view it
0: yeah most most people um are angry with the government and the politician the politicians excuse me rightly so uh, uh, Le- Lebanon has one of the most corrupt uh, ruling class uh, in, in, in the entire world. Uh, and so we have the right to point to those who have taken office and saying, uh, you are corrupt, you are, you're an unjust. Um, Lebanon hasn't had 24-hour electricity for 30 years. You know, we had it in the city when we first moved out here, 21 hours a day, which was fine because the other three hours were just generator. Uh, but, but the reason is is because generators and diesel fuel make a lot of money. Uh, it's not because Lebanon can't provide 24-hour electricity. Uh, but that, I mean, take that down to every level. Um, the traffic, there's multiple <laughs> garbage crises that have happened over the years. That's because landfills get filled uh, and contracts aren't paid. Uh, I got my first uh, car accident ever driving for 20, 20 plus years here, because there's no there's no traffic lights. Um, that's not because of the no electricity. That's that's what I thought eventually, but or initially, that's because uh, a contractor who paid for the you know, the software system uh, never got paid, and so the government isn't able to pay their bills, and so that's because money is stolen. And so these uh, what I've called them is aggressive withdrawals. You know, it's not stealing; it's going and saying. I want my money. You have it, and it's because the insurance, again, because of corruption, because of all the different things, isn't paying the bills that they're they're supposed to pay. Um, and so, so most people rightly point their finger at the government um, mm-hmm. who, who have brought lots of um, lots of the problems upon us and upon the country. Um. Yeah, it's it's. It's interesting, I'm remembering now a conversation I had with a taxi driver. There's a little project I did with one, an artist friend of mine. Take a photo of a, of a taxi driver and have a conversation with him. He would, he would sketch it and kind of put a quote. So, of course, just talking about gas prices and the taxi prices and the needs. And again, most people rightly point at, at the government. Uh, there is real deep corruption uh, that would change with more honest people. Um, and so, again, that's a whole, whole podcast on its own. But I remember one taxi driver said, it's, it's all our fault. He said, it doesn't matter who the person is. We, we all would do the same thing. And I just was like, man, I, I wish I had enough time to dig in with him as, you know, kind of pointing to uh, kind of the, the human uh, nature, uh, sin nature that we have that, that we didn't have to learn how to steal or to do this. We just, it, it's who we are. And I was kind of blown away. But I think he kind of stands out. Uh, as pointing the finger at himself and all of us as opposed to most pointing to uh, the, the politicians, the banks, uh, and, and so on.
1: Yeah, the, as I've learned over the last several months and few years about what's happening in Lebanon, it does seem incredibly complicated. I mean, mm-hmm. bottom line is it's corruption, um, it's greed, it's yeah. the corrupt ruling class as you have um, sort of illustrated for us but it also feels incredibly complicated and that temptation for those who have power to do what those who've before them have done as well and to grab finances or power or whatever it is that you can grab when you're in that position. Right. Is there hope in Lebanon? Do you feel like the, the population has hope or, um, you know, I know that a ton of young people, the norm is to leave Lebanon and then send money back. Um, yeah what is is there a a spirit of hope or or not M-
0: mostly not uh and if it is hope it's uh, it's misplaced hope
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know when we first came out here uh, I-, I have this conversation weekly uh which is great uh, it's a great opportunity to to build relationships and to um if if time permits it, to share the gospel but uh, because i'm kind of a what i introduce myself as a cocktail right i'm a mix of my mother's Chaldean, dad's Lebanese, Palestinian, I was born in Kuwait, raised in the U.S. And so when I speak Arabic, even though I'm, again, conversationally fluent, people can't pin me down. They can't figure out my dialect. So where are you from? Uh, and so again, I, I kind of go through that, that spiel. Uh, and then I tell them I was in the U.S. For most people, they're like, you have a passport, like, what are you doing here? What? You know, and, and again, uh, that conversation has shifted a bit and become a bit more aggressive over the more recent time. Uh, but the answer that we always give is that we have hope for this country. Um, and as believers, we do. Uh, and, and we still do. Now, so, so, some days it's harder to hope than others. Some, some days uh, we're, we're, we're just as angry as, as others in the country. Uh, and, you know, um, whenever the fourth of every month comes, you know, this August 4th of 2020 was when uh, the explosion happened. You know, there, there still hasn't been one arrest. Wow. Not one person has been arrested. Um, wow. That's because people are working hard against uh, the, the investigation. And so, so there are times that, that anger uh, rules out. Uh, but, but for us, uh, even this past Sunday, uh, my, my, the sermon on, on Christmas was, uh, we considered uh, a, a thrill of hope uh, and, and just the hope that comes with Christ. And even mm-hmm. uh, I chose at one point to go through the book of First Peter uh, as we considered what it looks like for us to have a living hope in the midst of destruction all around us Uh, and so I think to to, to go back to your to your question I think most people have a misplaced hope and that is if I get this passport uh, if I get this visa out of the country I'll be able to uh, have a new life Um, and and we've had uh, tens of thousands have left the brightest the people who are able to have left Uh, many have remained and, and it's encouraging when there are people who are choosing to live through difficult times uh, but, but hope uh, again. That's that's what we share at, at church. Um, we, we believe that the greatest hope for our city are people who who are renewed by the the message and the power of Jesus Christ, uh, and that in in the midst of all the darkness and all the brokenness and all the challenges, uh, that that God's people will be marked with hope, um, and and we have a hope that remains. It's not based on on our health then a pandemic comes through, right? It's, it's not based on our savings. that The banks steal your money. It's not, it's not based on uh, homes. We finally bought a house. Well, our house exploded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a, it's a hope that remains uh, because of Christ. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it, it's a difficult message uh, for, for some people to receive because there's just so much crisis. Yeah. Uh, it's not just one thing. It's not just the pandemic. You know, the pandemic we all went through, but most people didn't also uh, lose their currency. The current rates right now, imagine $1,000 being valued at $40. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how much the, econ- the, the, the value has dropped of the local currency. And, and no access to that $40. You know, it's, right. it's limited access. That's why people are going to the banks and, and holding up their own banks to get their own money. Um, but it's the message we continue to preach. We, we have a living hope. And we've seen it by God's grace. People who have, who have, have come to faith uh, and and have experienced this um, this peace in the midst of chaos. Mm. Uh, they mm. can only come through Christ. Then we know that. Yeah. Uh, and so we 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 pray that the Lord will continue to stay, sustain us and other believers in the country, so that way we can continue to share uh, the, the hope of Christ.
1: Yeah. Amen. So I'm hearing obviously about tremendous injustice and corruption. How do you pastor your congregation in the face of injustice? How do you what are those conversations like? Are those sermons like? Or what are your own internal thoughts like? Um, what you're living through is is tiring, and yeah. injustice is a unique, you know, it, in 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 and of itself, it's it, it will weary a soul. Yeah. So, what are the things that you rehearse to yourself and preach to your congregation about injustice?
0: Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, pastoring in a place like Beirut. Uh, is easier uh, when we when we address, uh, or sorry, e- easier in, in light of the corruption and the the, the injustices that happen because um, the lies of the world and, and the false hope that sometimes will capture uh, our our eyes, uh, riches and wealth and uh, whatever whatever it might be, we all have idols that we continue to create. In Lebanon, uh, it's easier to see the lie.
1: Mm-hmm. It's easier to
0: see. The, the, the emptiness behind the whatever the facade might be, and so so in one way we can just I can just point to uh, mm-hmm. this example uh, or, or or this injustice, and then then point to to a Christ who is faithful, to a God who is just, um, and who mm-hmm. who is who is um, who has proven himself to us. So in one way, when it comes to preaching uh, examples and illustrations, uh, I, I don't have to sell. Um, or convince of the brokenness of the world. Right, we see it, we feel mm-hmm. it. It's it's um, it's undeniable. Yeah. On another part, or let's say the flip side of, of pastoring in this in this place, uh, with with such challenges and injustices, as people are hurting, people are yeah. hurting in, in uh, such deep ways. Uh, we have m- folks who are middle class. Uh, working fine, you know, not not very wealthy, and and middle class, upper middle class, uh, across the board now are are having to skip meals
1: mm.
0: uh, for their for their children to eat. Mm. Uh, Christmas celebrations don't look the same way as they as they used to, um, and so so the challenge of strengthening those. Uh, it, it's beautiful again when we see God's kindness in allowing them and us to see him more beautifully in the, in the midst of the darkness. Uh, but also just it it brings challenges. Um, you know, we don't have the luxury to say, well, we don't do relief work anymore Mm. when our neighborhood explodes, well we need to help our neighbors. Right. Uh, And so what does it look like to do, uh, food distribution and, uh, and, and home repair and and these kinds of things. So there's lots of challenges that, that have come alongside, uh, the difficulties that we have in the country. Um, it's made, made uh, shepherding look different, um, considering benevolence, for example, as, as something that uh, will take more time than, than we previously have uh, or w- would have done maybe. Um, lots of challenges, um, but for me as a pastor, I've just seen God's faithfulness. Uh, yeah. We have, from, from our knowledge, uh, I think three who have come to faith in the life of our church, uh, and two of them in this last year. This year? I'm except the use. In the middle of you know of all of all that's happening, God's still saving, God's yes. still making Himself known, uh, and that just shows that's not me. That's not something that we can do. It's not a program. It's the power of the gospel, and so it's yes. it reminds me as well. I can't offer anything to anyone,
1: mm.
0: um, in and of myself or our family, um, but Christ can. Uh, Amen. And, and we just continue to preach Him as as much as we we're able to.
1: Right how can listeners who are believers um how can the global church come alongside the church in beirut Um, oftentimes on all things you know i talk about things that are around the world and we and we don't know how we can impact that situation in any way is there something that a listener can do to come alongside your church
0: yeah i um remember us in your prayers Mm -hmm. you know it's hard it's hard i'm you know i'm on social media and so i I I read about things and I I know what's happening around the world. And I'm I'm shocked sometimes at the things that I didn't know that there's things happening in Ethiopia and and the drought. And I sometimes forget that there's the the fighting in Ukraine just because we have our own things. So I I know how easy it is to forget something incredible uh, that someone else is experiencing. So so I know that Lebanon's news and and the needs here sometimes just kind of get, uh, you know, shuffled in with other issues around the world. And so as the Lord leads, remember us in your prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, pray for our church. Um, pray for, uh, for those to uh, be softened. Uh, I think in one way, crisis will sometimes uh, open you up and, and cause you to ask questions that maybe you wouldn't have asked before. Yeah. Um, I think too much crisis might harden a people. Or at least that's been our experience. Mm-hmm. For some, they're open. But for some, it's like they, they can't have a conversation because all they're thinking about is their next meal, and medicine and finding another job that's gonna pay them um, not enough right yeah. and so um, so just just pray that that, that God would uh, continue to do his work that he would strengthen believers in the country uh, praying for for the you know we're, we're uh, currently don't have a president the seven the kind of back to uh, no president we're, we're trying trying to uh, elect one um, and so who knows how long that'll be when there's kind of another vacuum in another part of the government. And so just praying for the leaders in our country. Uh, you know, Lebanon is it's an incredibly beautiful place. You come out and visit. We're actually praying about doing some sort of uh, trip where we just invite friends and partners and those who want, want to see the work what the Lord's doing. Uh, go to Tyre and Sidon, you know, and, and kind of just um, see see the history of this beautiful country. But Lebanon has... Uh, and, and thinking Beirut specifically has has always been so strategic, uh, and that's one of the reasons we came out here. Uh, I think the way that you reach the Middle East is, is through Beirut. Uh, Beirut has always been influential and strategic when it comes to um, really everything: medicine, law, politics, fashion, food, uh, and so our hope is that also would be uh, strategic uh, for the spread of the gospel through the region. Uh, and so, yeah, so so pray for us. Uh, connect with us. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, how do we do that? Where can people follow follow your church or your family, your ministry?
0: Yeah, um, I, I can email. I don't know if you want, I can share it now. Or just, uh, yeah, so marwan at cbcbeirut.com. I'm on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and uh, I, uh, I was going to say we can add you to a newsletter list. Uh, but but I'm not not very faithful to writing these newsletters as, as we used to, so they're not as regular. We're actually months overdue on one. But there's ways to connect with us on Facebook as well. Um, I don't know if you'll have a place to put put all kind of our details. So yes, yeah, we'd I love could to definitely get call that. Or, yeah, uh, to be able to connect with you all and let you know what's happening. And uh, and and again, kind of how I start off by just saying these these little messages are encouraging. Um, after the explosion, we had I had. Dozens and dozens of emails and messages from people I'd never spoken to who just said, we're praying for you. And that, you know, that's not just a, a vague thing that that means something. Mm. Um, it's, it's one of the ways that the Lord has connected us to one another. Uh, and so th- those things matter to us. And so, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I can testify that following you on social media is very encouraging. I love to just get that little glimpse, that window into your world and just see what everyday life is like, you know, when you post scenes from your neighborhood or scenes of what your kids' days are like. It's it, it's really helpful. And so, yeah. that is one of the blessings of social media. I know we curse its name all the time. Um, but also it's a window into the into the global church and so I would encourage listeners yeah. To, to, follow you. And I will link all of that in the show notes, but Pastor Marwan, thank you for your ministry. And thank you for sharing your life and the gospel and the good news with us and with Beirut. So grateful for you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to all things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.